ahead and hit send when you're done filling out that connection card, and it will be sent where it needs to be sent. Uh, good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Phil, um, for those of you I haven't met yet, and uh, we are in the midst of a series called Keep It Simple. Um, we're we're going to be in this series kind of all the way up to Easter. It's going to carry us up to Easter. The, the big idea behind it is that, I don't know if you've noticed, but it really seems like life is getting more and more complicated, right? It just, it just, and I think though that we're sometimes making things more complicated than they need to be because all these things, we're going to be talking about uh, different relationships and different aspects of our lives that just feel like it's getting more complicated. Everything that we're going to be talking about are, are things that God has a lot to say about. And so we're going to be focusing on God's wisdom. And I think that if we just start following what God says about some of these things, rather than what culture says about some of these things, we might find that our life's becoming a little bit more simple. Our life is a little bit less complicated. Our life is a little bit easier to manage. Uh, so, so our theme verse is Romans 1, 21 to 25. And so just to remind you too about following along in the app. If you go to the, uh, the Sunday service part of your app, you can click on the, the fill-in-the-blank message notes. So it'll have something, just the outline to make it easier for you to follow along. All of the Bible passages, any quotes that I might put in, uh, that's all there. So Romans 1, starting at verse 21. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served creative, created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. Amen. So that phrase where it says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, that's what we've, we've been focusing on. I think that's, we're going to kind of come to that like every week. Where do we see whatever it is we're talking about? What are the lies that the enemy wants us to believe? What is the, what is the truth of God's word? So last week I talked about four kind of big kind of macro lies that I think the enemy wants us to believe. We went all the way back to the very beginning because I think the, the lies that Satan used to tempt Adam and Eve are the same lies that he's using, you know, in all of our lives right now. And, and, and when we exchange the truth of God for a lie, we, we bring like confusion upon ourselves. We bring hurt upon ourselves. We bring difficulty upon ourselves. I, I would say that I think that this truth explains a lot of the pain that we have in our life, that we exchange the truth of God for a lie in some area of our life. And we went down a path, we went down a road, we had experiences, we, we got wounded, you know, it got, it got hard. But you see, here's the thing, that no matter how beaten up you are, that no matter how, I know maybe I'm talking to some people today, whether you're in the room or whether you're on the live stream, who like you're really discouraged. That you feel that like life is not working out. Life is too hard. I'm too beaten up. I've got too many bruises. I've got too many scars. I got, I got a, you know, a limp. I want you to know that no matter how many lies you've believed, no matter what road you've gone, you've gone down, God is for you and God can pull you out of any situation. Psalm 40 verse 2, it says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And so I just want to encourage you that if you feel that you're in a slimy pit right now, if you feel that your life is just out of control and is not working out, 
I just want you to know that as you look to God, he can reach into that slimy pit and he can pull you out and he can set your feet upon a rock. He can give you a firm place to stand. And this, this room is filled with people. We've all spent our share of time in slimy pits, right? And we have found that God is faithful and God can pull us out. And we've, we've all got a long way to go, but, but God has brought us this far and he'll bring us the rest of the way. And, and so something that we need to be aware of a word that I think would be a great word to just have kind of in the forefront of our mind, not just for this message, not just for this week, but for our life, is the word yield, right? That we want to like know God's truth, and then we want to yield to God's truth. It doesn't do us any good if we know the truth, but then we don't yield to it, right? And so let's just imagine that this table is God. Now, just for my illustration, I'm not engaging in idolatry, so don't worry about that. So just to illustrate the different way that people, you know, that people kind of interact with God. You know, you have some people who, like, if, if God is here, they're here. You know, people who say that they're, they're followers of Jesus, but they're not following, right? They're, they're out in front, and it's kind of their terms, and they're going to make the decisions, and they're going to do it their way. They might have God kind of like along for the ride, but they're not yielding to God. They're, they're not letting God call the shots. Then you have people who maybe kind of posture their life like this. So they're like alongside God. And it's kind of like a 50-50 proposition, a 50-50 arrangement. God makes some of the decisions, but I make some of the decisions. And it was kind of this like partnership, and, uh, and that's how it works out. But then you have people who take this posture, who completely yield to God, who say that, you know, the, the phrase that I use all the time to describe us as Christians is I say a follower of Jesus, because we've got to know like we're following like, we're not leading. We're not leaders of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. So that means that we yield to him, that we say, God, you're the one who's in charge, and I'm going to submit to you, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to yield to your lordship. I'm going to yield to your truth. I'm going to yield to you. And I can tell you, if the more we live like this, the more healing, the more grace, the more life we're going to experience. And so we yield to God. And so what I want to talk about today is how we can yield to God during the complicated season of being single, uh, uncomplicating singleness. Now, now, let me just say this for the record. I've heard through the years, I've heard single people say, you know, Pastor Phil, and this is kind of a criticism, a valid criticism, I think, of a lot of churches. It's like we emphasize so much like family and marriage that sometimes it feels like we devalue or we forget about single people. I want it known for the record that I'm doing a series on a lot of different relationships. I'm starting out with singleness, okay? Trying to, trying to fix that. Now, listen, for the first time in American life, those of you who are single, you're the majority, that's never, I mean, for, for forever, the overwhelming majority among adults was married adults, like by far. But now, uh, just recently, like in the last couple of years, it's flipped now so that 52% of adults are single and 48% of adults are married. So you're in the majority. But the reality is, is that being single in 2021 is really complicated. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's every single aspect, no matter what your situation is, because I'm talking to people in a lot of different situations, a lot of single people in a lot of different situations. Maybe you're, you're single and you're not dating anyone. Well, that's complicated, right? I mean, that's complicated. That like leads to some questions and wonderings. Maybe you're single and you are dating someone. You're seeing someone. Well, that, that's complicated, right? That becomes a pretty complicated scenario. Maybe you're single and you just got out of college or you're in your like early to mid-20s. 
that's a pretty complicated place to be. There's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things to navigate, a lot of things to maneuver. Maybe you're single and you're in your like mid to late 30s or you're early to mid 40s or, you know, that, that's complicated as you're kind of moving on, you know, getting along in life and moving into those middle years and you're single, that's complicated. You know, maybe you're, you're single again. That's really complicated. Maybe you're single with kids. That's really complicated. You know, I mean, I could go on. Like basically every scenario, every situation, it's complicated. And one of the things that makes it hard and complicated is our families, right? How many of you, you know, like single people, when you go to, um, go to a family reunion, you've got that aunt, you know, we, we, we all have the same aunt. Maybe she's Aunt Mabel. I don't know what her name is. But, but it's the same aunt. And at some point, like during the family reunion, she's going to kind of pull you aside and say, so are you seeing anyone? Is there anyone special in your life? And you say, no, Aunt Mabel or Aunt whoever. No, I'm not seeing anybody right now. And then she gives you this look, right? And it's a look, it's like a little bit of compassion, you know, a little bit of compassion, a little bit of pity, a little bit of concern. But there's also like, it's a little judgy, right? It's kind of a little bit like, what's wrong? You know, she kind of looks at, you know, what's right? And you're like, Aunt Mabel, you're making me feel bad. I'm going to go talk to somebody else, right? Like I said, the church, the church doesn't make it easy. You know, and as I'm aware of that, and part, I mean, it's because, you know what, we, we focus so much on families because we have children's ministry and teens ministry and, you know, want to do things to support marriage, but just aware that sometimes maybe we unintentionally send the message that singles aren't important, that singles are devalued. Now, society has made it really complicated. So if you look at, if you look at being single sociologically for hundreds of years, if a, if a guy and a girl wanted to get together, they went through this process called courtship. And so the way that courtship worked is that the gentleman caller would show up at the girl's house and, uh, and all of the relation, all of it, like the whole getting to know you, it all happened under the watchful eyes of the girl's mother and father and maybe grandmother and maybe grandfather and all of them. You've seen, you know, the, any movie that's based on a Jane Austen book or any, you know, any, any time period. So then they want to spend time alone. You know, they go for a walk, but the whole family's like five steps behind them. That, that's how it was. And the thing about courtship, you know, is that it was really clear. Like the reason the guy was there was like, because I want to marry your daughter and here's my dowry. Here's the money that I will give you. It was like, there was no confusion. It was really clear. Then things changed uh, once the automobile was introduced. So once the automobile came on the scene, courtship, it never, it didn't happen under the like parent's roof. You got it. You know, the, the guy would come in the car, the girl would get in the car and they would drive somewhere else. And so that was a whole other scenario. That was a, and that was a huge change. Like in the, you know, in the 40s and the 50s, more and more people had cars and, you know, you'd pick someone up for a date. That really, that changed things quite a bit. Now it's changed again. And I don't even know exactly what to call it, but some people have called it the hookup culture, right? Some have called it the swipe right, you know, culture. The, the message, the idea of it, it seems to be that, that people are no longer, like, you don't know what people want anymore. This is, this is what I've heard. This is what, what people have said. Like, you don't know where people are coming from, what they you get the message that, like, you don't want emotional intimacy. You don't want bonding. You don't want commitment. Sex is no big deal. It's just physical. This seems more and more to be the norm. And it's really confusing. 
right? It's really confusing. It's difficult to, ma- to, to navigate. And I, I would hope that as a follower of Jesus, right, someone who's yielding, that that's not where you're coming from. But now, you know, but if you're in that, you know, you're in that culture, you're like, you know, it's, it, you don't know what people want. The rules have all changed. Things are not clear. Things are very difficult. Things are very confusing. Then you have how much harder social media makes everything. You know, so you have your friends who are married and you look at their Instagram page and it's just like it makes you sick because they've got the perfect marriage and they've got the perfect kids and they've got the perfect house and the perfect dog. And you just kind of look at yourself and you think like, what's wrong with me? Why don't I have that? You know, we're we're in a, a scenario, we're in a time now where I think more and more people are just, they're feeling bad. They're feeling bad. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of hurt. And behind all of this, we have the devil who always comes to rob, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. And I almost wonder, you know, he's always had a lot of tools in his toolbox. But I sometimes wonder if the way that, that, that it's, the way that it's like now being single, if maybe we've given him more tools. There's more things that he can use to kind of damage you, to to make you feel bad about yourself, to cut you off from your relationship with God, to have you compromise your convictions, the way that you want to live, to to maybe even isolate you from other people. But I want to tell you that God has an answer for you. And what I want to do, actually, what I want to do today is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. It's written by the Apostle Paul. And you know, there's most of the New Testament— is either written by or about a single person, right? So you've got Jesus, who you know, he didn't actually write any of the Bible, but, but so much of the Bible is what he said and what he did. Jesus was single, right? Jesus was never married. And we all know Jesus lived an absolute full life. Jesus, you know, was the essence of humanity and he was never married. And then you have Paul, the Apostle Paul, he said this in 1 Corinthians 7, 7. This was, a, this was a Jewish guy, a Jewish rabbi, a Pharisee. This was radical. He said, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So, this, I mean, this was a radical statement for a religious leader to say singleness is a gift. Especially like, you know, Jewish people like so value the family and be fruitful and multiply and all that. But he says, no, being single is a gift. And so here, here's what I want to do. And, you know, this is not just for the single people. This is for all of us. Like, because listen, we need to, we need to not let culture define things. We need to let God define things. And I believe that there are some things that we can see about what God wants to say about this season of singleness that can, that can totally revolutionize the way you think about being single. Not only for, like, for those of you who are single and for those of us who have single people in our life. And so Paul goes on. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 32 to 34, he goes, I'm going to read this in the message. And then how I framed this message is I'm taking four phrases that are in this passage, and we're going to, we're going to kind of build the rest of the message around those four phrases. So, so he says, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. When you're unmarried, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. Marriage involves you in all the nuts and bolts of domestic life and in wanting to please your spouse, leading to so many more demands on your attention. The time and energy that married people spend on caring for and nurturing each other, the unmarried can spend in becoming whole and holy instruments of God. I'm trying to be helpful and make it as easy as possible for you, not make things harder. All right, so let me just jump right in. Four 
four things, four phrases from this passage that can help us think differently about the single life. First is free of complications. Free of complications. That's taken from the, the line that says, I want you to live as free of complications as possible. And so in kind of reframing singleness, I want you to think single and simple. Now, I am not saying that it is simple, that it is easy to be single. I've spent everything up to this point saying the opposite of that. I get it, that it's, it's hard, it's complicated. But what this means is that it's a focus season, that it's a time to be focused. It says this in Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And so if you're single, see this as a season where you can really focus. And what you can, well, I'm going to talk about a lot of different things that we can focus on, but you can start by focusing on who you are, what God has called you to be, right? I say all the time, you're made on purpose for a purpose. You're at a time right now in your life where you don't have a lot of the distractions that a lot of people who are married, especially with kids, I'll talk more about that later, but you don't have those. And so what you can do is you can really like dig deep. Like you can know what your spiritual gifts are. You need to, if you're single and you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, that's where you want to start. Like really like say, okay, God, how did you make me? How did you wire me? Your spiritual gifts, they're things that you're good at, but they're not just natural abilities. They're also things that like when you do it, you feel closer to God and you help other people feel closer to God. And, uh, and you actually even have a sense of God's presence and power with you when you do it. Those are your spiritual gifts. You need to know, you need to know what they are. You need to be connected, you know, to, to growing in them. You need to know your passions. Like what is it you're excited about? What is it that really, you know what, what are the things that you've got those things in your life that like when you get to do, like if, what are the things that you're so passionate about that if you got, got to do that for the rest of your life, you wouldn't, you would never work a day in your life because you're just so passionate about it. You love it. Like get connected to that. What, what are you passionate about? See, the thing about this season is you can make some changes. You know, like you can, maybe you don't like your job. Well, you know what? You can, you can change your job. Maybe you want to go back to school for more education. Maybe, you know, I, I hope this isn't true for anyone who's hearing this, unless you're on the live stream and you want to move closer to the church. Um, but you know what? It's a time where maybe you could move. You can kind of figure out where you want to live, the kind of life that you want to build. You know, you don't have to worry about your kids, you know, in school and your spouse's job. There's a freedom. There's an opportunity for you to really focus on who God has made you to be. The second is pleasing the master. So you are, and this is where it says in the passage, you're free to concentrate on simply pleasing the master. And then so the thing to try to make it easy to remember is single and seeking. Single and seeking. Matthew 6.33 says this. This is, I, I, this is a verse that I quote a lot. And the reason I, I know that there are some verses that I kind of come back to a lot. And what I realize it's because it, it expresses like a fundamental truth of life, a fundamental truth of what it means to follow Jesus. This is one of them. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given you as well. Now, I've, I've talked to people and I've seen that some people think that the way that it works is like, I got to get my life figured out first. I got to get, you know, the career. I got to get the education. I got to get the spouse. I got to get the kids. I got to get the house. Then I can get serious about God. And that's absolutely backwards. What Jesus said is, no, no, no. Seek God first. 
Put him first. Make him the priority. And then God's going to make all these other issues. All these other things are going to kind of fall into place in your life. And so this is a season, this time of being single, this is an opportunity for you to really grow in your relationship with God. This is an opportunity for you to focus on him, to find a relationship with God that is foundational, that's going to carry you through all the different seasons, all the different roles and responsibilities that you're going to have in life. I think about myself 35 years ago when I was just, you know, out of high school and I, I was single and I had an opportunity to spend a year at a, at a discipleship school and I got to travel the world and I got to be involved in missions and I got to really go deep in my relationship with God. And I have to say, 35 years later, there are things that happened in my life during that season, during that period that have stayed with me that have really like set the trajectory of my life. See, part of it is that you're at a place where, where you, you can say, God, you are my everything, right? Psalm 23 verse one says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And so you have an opportunity to, to, rather than saying, but I don't have this and I don't have that and I feel, you know, left out, say, no, Lord, you are my shepherd. You are my shepherd. You are my security. You are my identity. You are my companion. You are my purpose. You are the one who gets me out of bed in the morning. You are the one that I live for. And there can be a clarity. There can be a life. You can find in this season a life-giving relationship with God that will transform your life and fuel your life for the rest of your life. The third is this, time and energy. Time and energy, the time and energy, the verse, the passage says, the time and energy that married people spend. And so think about being single and serving. Single and serving. Now listen, when you're married, you have to negotiate a lot. Like there's a lot of negotiating that goes on in a marriage, especially with your time. Like when you're, you know what, like when you get married and you want to go do something on a Saturday night or you want to play golf on a Saturday morning or you want to go here, go that, like when you're single, you just do it, right? I mean, you got your job and then you can do whatever. When you're married, you got to start negotiating, right? You got to start like having conversations about how you're going to spend your time. And then once you have kids, forget about it. I mean, it's a, it's a whole other, it's a whole other story. I've got four kids. And so my kids, they're, they're all in their twenties now. So they're, so they're 27, 24, and then the twins are 20. And so if you do the math, there was a period where I had a seven-year-old, a four-year-old and twin newborns. And so there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of discretionary time at that point. I remember a few years later, I was, it was a crazy time. I think by that point, my son was in high school. And so he was on the high school football team. And I'd always coached his sports. You know, I coached basketball. I coached baseball. And, uh, and, and I knew those sports, you know, and, and, uh, um, I played those sports. I watched those sports. But then my girls got into soccer. And so I, I coached soccer. Now, here's the thing. This is a true story. So I was head coach of Maggie's soccer team. And I think we're getting ready to have our first game. And I said to one of the, I was the head coach. I said to one of the assistant coaches, could you explain offsides to me? And, uh, and, and he's like, yeah, no, I don't get it. And I'm like, okay, neither do I. Now, at that point, they were young, so they didn't really play positions. They were kind of like a swarm of bees just kind of following the ball. So, but anyway, I eventually learned offsides. I'm kind of like Ted Lasso. I was living that out. But, uh, um, 
So, so anyway, so at this point, right, so, so I'm, I'm still coaching Maggie's soccer team, and now the twins are playing soccer, so I'm also coaching Sophie's soccer team, and Sophie and Lily are on different soccer teams, and so Norma is coaching Lily's soccer team, and two of the girls were on travel teams, so that was like in addition to the, I mean, it was crazy. It was absolutely a crazy time. Like every night, you know, I was either running a practice or getting people to practice and Saturdays trying to be in two places at one time, coaching Maggie's game and then coaching Lily's game, trying to get to Sophie's game. Then Andy's football game would be on Saturday afternoon at the high school. I mean, it was, it was absolutely crazy. And all that to say this, if you are single, you have more time than those who are married and, you know, way more discretionary time, especially than those with kids. Use it. Leverage that time that you have to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Leverage the time that you have to lay up treasures in heaven. The average 23-year-old will, spend, will have spent over 10,000 hours playing video games. Now, that's the average. That means that there's a lot, way more than that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing video games, but 10,000 plus hours, that's a lot of time. The average screen time for that age group is somewhere like six is average, six hours a day, but it can go up to 13. 13 hours a day staring at a screen. Let's not waste this opportunity. Psalm 92, 12 to 15, it says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no wickedness in him. Listen, I'm trying to reframe. For those of you who are single, the way you look at it, it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity for you to, to really let your roots go down deep in God. It's an opportunity for you to know who he's made you to be, what the gifts are that he's called you to. It's an opportunity for you to serve, get a lifestyle of serving. And listen, if you don't have serving as part of your lifestyle, I just want to encourage you, come to the growth track. Come to the growth track, which is starting up in a couple of weeks. You know, you can do it in person. You can do it online through Zoom. One of the things that we're going to do through the growth track is we're going to help you discover your spiritual gift. We're going to get you on the road of beginning to understand your spiritual gift and then helping you find a place where you can serve, like with your church, but also really thinking through ways that you can just kind of, you know, live out more that value of serving. Uh, help out with the food bank. But I tell you what, you know, I always talk about the food bank because it's just so amazing what God has done with the food bank. And, and, you know, I know Mary Ann said that we, you know, the USDA is currently not now bringing trucks. We've got some other arrangements with some other organizations, you know, so, so we're good. But, you know, like Mary Ann said, we don't, don't forget about dropping off food in the front because that, that helps. Um, but one of the things I love about the food bank are like all of the amazing volunteers who every single week, there are so many volunteers. And, and sometimes during the week, you know, especially with like with COVID where you wouldn't have necessarily, you know, every, some people were working remotely. And so like this, this place can be kind of quiet and kind of weird, like when you're the only person here during the week. But, but every day there's so much activity. There's so many people who are getting food ready for Friday. Then you get to Friday and, and there's, there's just so many people, like, you know, dozens and dozens of people helping to kind of facilitate and all the people from the community coming to get food. I heard this great story this week that I, that I just, I was just so blessed. I thought this was so amazing. So there was this woman, Jessica told me, this woman who's been coming to the food bank 
for a while. And what precipitated her coming to the food bank was that at some point during the pandemic, her husband left her. Her husband left her, left the kids, abandoned the family because, you know, a lot of people just kind of lost their mind during the pandemic, and it was kind of like that. He just bugged out and he split. And so she ended up needing to come to the food bank because she was really struggling. And so she would come, you know, on a regular basis and get the food. And one of the things that we do is we offer people prayer, you know, if they want to kind of pull over and they want somebody to pray with them. So she requested prayer for the first time. And so she prayed with someone and specifically prayed that her husband would come back, that God would just, you know, lift the confusion or whatever it was and bring him back to his family. And so she drove off with her food. The next day, the husband came back. And so she called Jessica and she was so, she's crying because what she did is she prepared, you know, with the kids and with the husband, a meal, like their first meal together as a family with the food that she had picked up the day before at the food bank. And so, you know, you know, and she just was crying and saying, God is amazing. I can't believe it. It's like God really sees me and he cares. You know, it was just a, an incredible thing as, as, you know, just a huge step for her to get closer to Jesus for her whole family. Like, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Right? So be a part of that. Lead a life group. You know, we haven't, with COVID, we haven't been recruiting as many life group leaders, but we're going to go back to, you know, doing the full core press to try to get you to lead a life group because that's a great opportunity. There are so many ways. Listen, there are so many things. One of the things that we say our purpose is is to make a difference in the world. Those of you who are single, there is there are so many opportunities. You can leverage the freedom that you have to really make a difference in the, in the world. And there's so many ways that we could partner together to see God show up and do some great things. All right, the last point is this. The last one is whole and holy. And that's where it says becoming whole and holy instruments of God. And so the phrase here, the thing to remember, is simple and secure. Simple and secure. See, the goal is that you will end up in a place of security. That's, you know, all the things that I'm talking about, right? That if you really get, like, if you, if you focus on who God has made you, and you get to know your purpose and what God has for you, and you drill down deep in your relationship with God, and then you, you start serving God, and you, the joy of having Him use you to make a difference in the world, you're going to be secure. You're going to be single and secure. And you know what? These are crazy times. These are un, these are times, tumultuous times. And so many single people around you, you know what, as we see definitions change all the time, we see people's perceptions changing all the time, this is creating a lot of anxiety. It's creating a lot of people compromising themselves, making unhealthy decisions, doing things that are really kind of sabotaging their future happiness. But your life won't be like that because you're single and secure. Because you have put Jesus' words into practice where Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. See, you can say, I am building my life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And the wind and the waves, you know what? Listen, they're going to come. Nikki Gumbel said this. I came across this quote on Friday, so it didn't get into my notes. But uh, he said, sometimes God calms the storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and he calms you. Sometimes he, sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he just kind of says, storm, you know, cease. Other times the storm is going on, but he calms you. 
And I think, you know what, listen, there's a storm that's going on in our culture. There's a storm of confusion. And, and the reality is that the Bible says, right, that every weapon formed against us won't prosper. It doesn't say that there won't be weapons formed against us. There will be weapons formed against us, but they won't prosper. They won't work. The schemes and plans of the devil won't work. And so if you're single in this crazy culture, this time that we live in, there will be times that you, you feel things, right? Stuff will come against you. You will feel stuff, but you don't have to be wrecked by stuff. You can feel confused, but you don't have to be overwhelmed. You can be hard-pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. You can feel things. The weapons are formed against you, but they won't prosper. So you don't have to, if you're feeling lonely on a Friday night and you're feeling this, this angst and this like, you know, I'm, I'm not connected and I'm missing out, you don't have to swipe right. You don't have to go and you don't have to do that. You don't have to do something that's going to compromise who you are. It's going to compromise what you want your life to be about. You don't have to do that because you're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. See, you don't have to if you're feeling bad. You don't have to click on pornography to get that, you know, for whatever reason, it's like an escape. You know, it's like an escape and it's just like, let me, the feelings hurt. Let me turn them off. You don't have to do that. Because you're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. You know what? There are so many ways, like I said, so many ways that Satan, like he's always, he, he wants to mess up our lives. He wants to make it so that we're isolated from God and we're isolated from God's church and we're isolated from one another. And we're, you know, listen, if he could get you to just be spending all of your time staring at screens, feeling bad about yourself, that would be a win for him. But what you need to know is that you are single and you are secure, that you are safe and secure in the kingdom of God, that no matter what's happening around you, you are standing on the rock of Jesus Christ, and it makes all the difference. Now, I don't want you to hear an unintended message here. I'm not saying that singleness is a test, and if you pass the test, then God will let you out of the prison of singleness and will lead you to a wonderful married life. I'm not saying that because one, first of all, I'm saying singleness is a gift, right? I'm not saying it's not a prison, it's a gift. But also the other reason that I know it doesn't work that way is because, you know, all of us married people, how many of us brought some of our insecurities into that marriage with us? You know, we all have. And, and if it's hard being, you know, single and insecure, it can be even harder being married and insecure. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But, but the goal is that we find all of our strength, all of our hope, our total identity in the Lord. In the Lord. We all need to do that. But, I, but there's an opportunity, for those of you who are single, there's an opportunity that if you'll do, if you'll reframe the way that you think about it, I think that it can, it can make a huge difference in your life. Just yet again, if you will say, God, show me how you made me, show me what I'm for. And God, I want to know you. I want to press in to know you, Lord. I'm going to hunger for you. And I want you to use me. And I want you to bring me to that place of wholeness. I want you to bring me to that place of holiness and wholeness. That God will do a work in your life. I don't know if you guys remember the movie Jerry Maguire came out. Like, what was it, like 20 years ago? Makes me old. Feel like it was longer than that, I think. I think it was longer than that. But there's a, there's a scene. And it came out in, the, in like the late 90s, I think. So it's not a spoiler to give away the ending because you had plenty of time to see it. Um, but at the, remember at the end, it's like this big dramatic thing and he, and he goes and he realizes he needs this woman and, and he says, you know, you 
complete me in that like Tom Cruise over earnest kind of way that, that he does. That's a lie. I mean, it's really romantic. And she's like, you know, you had me at hello. But it's, you know, it's, but, but it's a lie. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. I'll just act out movies. That's what I'll do. Um, but, it's, but it's a lie because it doesn't, like God's, God's economy, the way it works is it doesn't, he take, it doesn't take like someone who's like, you know, totally broken, half a person, and put them together with someone else who's totally broken, half a person, so they can make a whole person. No, God's economy, the way that it works is two whole people, and he puts two whole people together to make a whole. Now, I'm not saying any of us have arrived at wholeness, but that's the goal. That's the goal. Dr. Les Parrott said this, if you try to build intimacy with another person before you have gotten whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. That's actually, that's pretty deep. I put that in your notes because that's, that's deep. You need to like, yeah, but it's true. So all of us, we, like an opportunity that we focus on these four things. We redefine, you know, single life, married life, whatever it is. And we just say, God, we want to come to a place of wholeness. So then whatever people we're relating to, it's not from a place of need. It's not from a place of like, you complete me or you're helping me figure myself out. It's not selfish. It's God, you're meeting our needs. God, you love me. God, you're for me. I know I'm your son. I know I'm your daughter. I know what you've called me to. So therefore now I can give. I can love. I can be free. I'm connected to the life-giving God. And so now rivers of living water can flow out of me and you can be blessed by that. See, that's the goal. And see, here's, here's the thing. Last thought, last thing. So, so one day, if you're single, one day your singleness will come to an end. And somebody here, I said that this morning at nine and someone went, amen. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not prophesying. I'm not prophesying that soon you're going to get married. But you see, here's the reality. Like, if you're married, one day your marriage is going to come to an end. Now, that's not a negative prophecy. Even the best marriage that's in this room or on the live stream will one day come to an end because there is only one covenant that's eternal. There's only one covenant that's eternal. That is our covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And every single one of us, we have a date. Those of us who are married, those of us who are single, we have a date. We will be together at the most awesome table the table to end all tables, the marriage supper of the Lamb. That what that's going to mean, like no eye is seen, no ear is heard. That, you know, I mean, that's going to be awesome. I think one of the things that's going to be great is I, I think like because it's heaven, we should be able to eat whatever we want and not gain weight, right? Wouldn't that be, that would be really good, you know? But, but whatever, that's our future. That's what God has for us. And so again, I just, I just hope that you can hear this. And, and if you've been struggling with your singleness, if you've been, you know, maybe in a place where you've been a little bit lost, where you've maybe been in some situations where you've compromised a little bit, I just want you to reframe, reframe this whole season, this whole time. And you just say, God, I'm going to dig deep into you. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I may be single, but I'm going to be secure. And I'm going to be connected to you. And I want, and I want this season, whether this is, this is a gift you have for me for the rest of my life or whether it's a season. I, I want to <clears throat> I wanna honor you during the season. I want to glorify you. And if, that's, and if that's your perspective and if that's your heart, you know, and maybe you feel like you've been in a slimy pit. And maybe there's somebody that I'm talking to here and you feel like you've been in a slimy pit. And I just want to say, just look to Jesus. And he will pull you out of that slimy pit and he will set your feet on, he will give you a firm place to stand. 
So with that, let's stand and let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray right now, God, that your presence, God, your power, your love would just flow in this room right now. Lord, you know all of our circumstances, God. You know where we're coming from. So Lord, you, God, you see the pits that we fall into. And so Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that if anyone is in that pit, God, I pray that they would just know that your hand is reaching down right now and that you're pulling them out right now in Jesus' name and giving them a firm place to stand. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who's discouraged, who's hopeless, Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them the grace of encouragement, the grace of hope, I pray, Lord, that your life would flow into them. God, if there's anyone who would say, I've kind of mishandled my single years. Or maybe there's someone who's single again and you say, you know what? I kind of brought this on myself. Lord, I pray that, that, that we would all know that there's grace and there's mercy and there's forgiveness. And if you're, listen, if you're here and, and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, it all starts, it all begins with that initial opening up our heart to Jesus and saying, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. And I just want to tell you, God loves you. God sees you. God is for you. God has a better life for you. God, you can, you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that God's going to be with you. Whatever you face in life, that God's going to be with you. And you can know that, you're, that your destiny is to be with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And all you need to do is open up your heart to Jesus. All you need to do is pray this prayer. And I want to lead you in this prayer and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a slimy pit, God, and I need to come out. And I pray that you would lift me out. I ask that you would forgive all of my sins. I believe you died on the cross in my place. Please forgive me. I accept your free gift of salvation. And from here on out, God, I want to yield to you. I yield my life to you. And I just declare that, that you are the Lord of my life. Do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you're in the room, if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. So I'm going to ask you to do, uh, to do one thing. You can, if you're in the room, there's a, you can use your phone if you want to do it that way. We've got the QR codes in the back of the chair. Or you can text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188. And if you do that, we'll reach out to you this week and we'll just say, how can we pray for you? And just try to encourage you and, uh, and help and celebrate with you what it means that you've surrendered your life to Jesus, all right? Um, so you can go ahead and do that now. We've got people over here moving over to, the, uh, to my right. They're part of the prayer team. And so they're ready to pray for you. Just put your mask on if you want prayer. For anything that I've been talking about here this morning, anything about navigating the single life that's been hard, that's been difficult, want to pray for you. Whatever it is you're going through in your life, we would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And uh, I will see you soon.